Tiki Hut Media. Pop the top on your favorite beer or whatever you drink from Tiki Hut Media. This is Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Hey there, welcome into Soul Ramblings Podcast. I'm Jerry, got my beer cracked open and ready to talk about faith and life over a beer or three over the next little bit. So glad you could join us today. I'm going to talk about tweet others the way you would like to be tweeted. <laughs> got that coming up. And also we'll have uh, something for the weary among us. And I believe we can all say that over the past couple of years, we've gotten weary, haven't we? But before we get to all of that, over the weekend, my this past weekend, my wife Beth and I, did. we had a Saturday off together, which it's rare that we both have a Saturday off together. It was a beautiful day. We decided to head down to the beach, and we did that. And as we were sitting there, I posted this on my personal Facebook page and also on the Soul Ramblings podcast Facebook page and on Instagram as well. Had myself a Modelo there and was just enjoying the waves and the weather and the sand. And we had some great music going. And this thought occurred to me and I posted this. I have problems, struggles, and uncertainty in my life that are painful. Yet, as I was sitting there enjoying that Modelo on the warm and comfortable beach, gazing out at God's beautiful creation, listening to music that poured God's grace into my soul, My heart was drawn to those who were not so fortunate, and that crossed my mind, all of those who are less fortunate. Families in the Ukraine, for example, that are uncertain about whether they will live or die and what their future will be like. People who we encounter every day who are trying to mask the deep depression that threatens to swallow them. Children who face a lifetime of struggle with odds stacked against them and churches filled with so much polarization and infighting that their souls are withering away. And my heart breaks, and I call out to God on their behalf, and I pray, Lord Jesus, show me how I can reach the person you need me to touch with your love. And I hope we all take some time out to pray that same prayer. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. 
I've seen this speaking of social media and Facebook and Instagram and all of that. I saw this posted several, I've seen it posted several times over the past couple of years. It says, tweet others as you wish to be tweeted. And I have to say that when the first time I saw that and read that, I assumed it was directed at me. Now, I'll admit I'm not on Twitter. I, the, the podcast has an Instagram and a Facebook page. Uh, we're not on Twitter as of yet anyway. I, there's a lot of social media that we're not a part of, but we are on Facebook and Instagram a lot. I mean, a lot. One of the things I've learned about myself on social media is that I'm extremely judgmental and extremely unapologetic when I think I'm right. And I always think I'm right. I am, therefore, part of the problem that I am about to complain about. (laughs) The problem that I am focused on right now is the loud voice of people that continue pushing this pervasive idea that there is a war on Christianity. And my first thought is that that is absolute rubbish. There is no such thing. How can people who believe in a God that rules over all and is the most powerful force in the universe believe that God could be under attack or much less win that war? But the more I think about it, maybe there is. Maybe the war began when we removed prayer from public schools, or maybe it was when the Supreme Court affirmed their decision in Roe versus Wade. Maybe it was when gay marriage was made legal. Or maybe all the trouble started a hundred years ago when women were given the right to vote. That sure changed things. Actually, it must have started when retail stores that live or die by the money they make between Thanksgiving and Christmas forced all their employees to stop saying Merry Christmas. Sounds a little ridiculous, don't you think? I'm beginning to think that there is a war on Christianity, but I'm also beginning to think that the war is being waged by Christians. It is only Christians that are yelling at the top of their lungs that prayer has been removed from schools, but that is not true. Children are allowed to pray. They are just not being forced to pray. And let's face it, would we want our tax dollars paying some of those teachers to pray with our kids? How about the school principal in Boca Raton, Florida, who told a parent that not everyone believes the Holocaust happened? Or the music teacher in Chicago that posts videos on YouTube denouncing non-Christian religions, saying that there are only two religions in the world, God's way or man-made religions like Islam, Judaism, and Scientology. These are not the kind of people that I want teaching our children anything, let alone prayer. Many people want to blame the decline of society on the removal of God from schools and public places. But I would argue that there is not a single person in church, community, state, country, or world who could move God anywhere that God does not want to go. The idea that there is a war on Christmas because we're not allowed to say Merry Christmas in places of business is another myth that's being thrown around by Christians. I work in retail, and I can assure you that I say Merry Christmas all the time. The only time I don't say it is when I am not sure that the person I am talking to is Christian and I don't want to offend someone of a different religion. If I don't say Merry Christmas to you, it's because I don't recognize that you are a Christian. And you should ask yourself why that is if you are a Christian. Is it because I can't recognize you as one or are you not behaving like one? And yes, I don't want to offend my non-Christian customers by saying the wrong thing. 
And the idea of not wanting to offend someone or being politically correct is the absolute tenet of Christianity. Love your neighbor as yourself. The greatest commandment, as Jesus reminds us, is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. We are surrounding ourselves with worldly ideas and calling them Christian ideals and claiming that they are being attacked in a war. We scream about there being no prayer in school, but we do nothing when children show up hungry day after day because there's no food in their home. We get all offended because no one said Merry Christmas to us, but we snap at the cashier because the sale price didn't ring up correctly. We scream about illegal immigrants at the southern border without acknowledging that they are also our neighbors and they are in danger. They need our Christian hospitality and not our American hatred. Jesus told Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Are all of these not human concerns? Prayer in school, Merry Christmas, red Starbucks cups, complaining about whether or not someone hates America because they are critical of the government? These are not concerns of God. These are made-up battles in the so-called war on Christianity designed to create conflict that separates us from Jesus Christ. And it is all being done in the name of Christianity. Jesus also said, Whomever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. I don't believe that when Jesus says deny themselves that he is saying give up everything you own and follow the teachings of the closest church you can find. I believe that Jesus is saying you must deny the worldly things that separate us from the Lord and then we can follow the cross that he already took up for all of us. I give in to worldly ideas all the time. If you become my friend on social media, you'll learn that I use language that's probably not acceptable to God's ears. Frankly, it's probably not acceptable in a sailor's bar sometimes. But I rationalize it as I am who I am. I'm not forgiving of people that I think support unchristian ideas. And I often decide for myself what I believe is unchristian. So I repeat, I am part of the problem. Just like the rest of you, I am a work in progress, and as part of that work, I will continue to say what I personally believe to be the truth of Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Whosoever. There's no qualifier in that sentence. Whosoever is for God to judge, not you and me. And with Jesus' help, I'll keep trying to be the best example of Christian that I can. Will you join me? Part of that prayer is that we would all expand our tables. What do I mean by that? Well, our tables are too small. Our tables in our homes, churches, organizations, that's where decisions are made. We consider how to love our local and global neighbors. We discuss how to welcome a new refugee family into the community or how to provide food relief amid a terrible dry season 10,000 miles away. So often, these decisions impact the lives of those far from the table, outside the room, halfway around the world, and far away from our building. Our small tables often exclude those who have the most at stake in the decisions that are being made. In our desire to love our neighbor, we can jump to conclusions or quick fixes. In our haste to help, 
We often rely on assumptions, failing to hear our neighbors, their needs, their desires, their dreams. Maybe we fail to hear because we fail to listen. We each sit at certain tables with specific spheres of influence. We gather with friends, with family, with co-workers. We sit at tables where decisions are made, decisions that will impact others. Let's take stock of the tables where we sit, the spheres of influence we inhabit. Let's also acknowledge the limitations of what we bring to the table. I hope I bring to the table experience in how to listen cross-culturally, building systems and structures to invite feedback, and building capacity toward these ends. What do I not bring to the table? Lived experience of substance farming, or beginning a startup in the Republic of Congo, or navigating crop uncertainties with greenhouse farming in Ukraine. It's not threatening to acknowledge our limitations. It's freeing and reminds us to honor our neighbors. What a holy privilege to learn from our local and global neighbors. None of us brings everything to the table. Consider how often those impacted by decisions are represented at a metaphorical or literal decision-making table. Listening is a means of pulling up a chair to the decision-making table, ensuring the perspective and insights of those impacted by decisions are present. Listening helps bridge the often-present gap of lived experiences between those making decisions and those impacted by those decisions. Good Samaritans recognize who the true expert is and welcome them to the table as honored guests. Let's expand our limited framework of associating expertise with academic and professional credentials. How might we cultivate the power of boundless compassion, a compassion that can stand in awe at what the poor have to carry rather than stand in judgment at how they carry it? Let's take a humble posture of learning from those we seek to serve. Pulling up a chair alone is insufficient. You can invite someone to the table without creating an environment, an invitation for them to speak or truly be heard. That's not the goal. Just as diversity without inclusion, equity, and justice is insufficient, performative listening to quickly check a box does not love our neighbor. No one likes to be half listened to or listened to with full knowledge their ideas won't be thoughtfully considered. Loving our neighbors through expanding the table by elevating the insight and experiences of those impacted by decisions must be followed up with action toward inclusive change. Not listening to validate our own ideas. Listening to form the future direction and path ahead. Mr. Rogers taught us that listening is where love begins. Listening to ourselves and then to our neighbors. In areas of influence in each of our lives, may we consider who is at the table and who is not. Next time you're involved with making a decision, look around and consider who here will be impacted by this decision. Pull up a chair and expand the table. Many of you know last week, if you follow Soul Ramblings podcast on Instagram or Facebook, if you don't, links are in the show notes. You can go there and do that now. But at any rate, last week, got a chance to go to Memphis and visit my grandson, who has been in the midst of cancer treatments since November of last year. We got to go to the zoo and we got to tour some of the facility where he stays. My wife and I, Beth and I, have a newfound appreciation of the work that is done at St. Jude and thought we would take a break, briefly talk about St. Jude. We'll be right back after this short break. I never thought I would live to see St. Jude Hospital built. 
St. Jude was born of a long day. Hours after the crowds departed, one lonely car remained. Dr. Donald Pinkle, the hospital's first director and employee, had work to do. Young lives depended upon it. They said he was a fool. They said there was no hope. But St. Jude was built upon big dreams and a trailblazing spirit. There were discoveries to be made and lives to save. So he worked. Soon people worldwide joined the mission, lending their time, energies, and talents. Today, St. Jude is more than 4,700 employees strong. The lights never go off at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. The diseases that take our children from us ravage day and night. So we fight through the small hours of the morning, searching for the next innovation. We clean like a life depends upon it, because it does. We cook like we cook for our own families. We fix what is broken. We facilitate care for today and seek tomorrow's cures. And when the sun rises on the other side of the planet, we are there too. We take our mission around the globe because we believe that no child should die in the dawn of life, no matter where they call home. We are stronger together, and working together, we will create a new, brighter future. This is our mission. There is urgency to what we do, because this moment... Pack up your bags, get out the door, you don't get chemo anymore. This moment is why we are here. Go to stjude.org or click on the link in the show notes. As we continue today on Soul Ramblings Podcast, I'm Jerry. So glad you could join us. Hey, be sure to get social with us over on Facebook and Instagram. The link to those pages is in the show notes of this episode. And if you've been loving your neighbor over the past two years by wearing a mask and staying home, getting vaccinated, distancing, and simply understanding what love your neighbor means, it can be exhausting. It's exhausting to have to continually make those mental decisions of where to go, who to hang out with, if we should let our kid go to a birthday party or fill in the blank for the decision fatigue. But I think it's even more exhausting to see others make decisions that are clearly not loving our neighbors, and including churches. It's exhausting and frustrating, is it not? You're doing the right things while others simply are not, and it's coming at a cost. So are you weary? Are you tired? Do you feel like you don't have much left? Well, for those of you who have been making the love your neighbor decisions for these past two years and your families for the CNAs who check on a patient at three o'clock in the morning and sing a song over them as they wrestle with sleep for the moms and dads who worry about their child who works in a grocery store where the majority do not mask for the parents of high risk family members who want desperately to protect them from COVID-19. I say to you that I get you today is for the weary. When you feel like you have nothing left and what you have is not enough. Remember the story in the Bible about the woman who gave two coins over in Mark 12. You remember that? 
She came in after rich people threw in a bunch of money in the offering plate, but she came in and gave two coins. The Bible says they were only worth a little. Who did Jesus recognize, though? Who did he talk about and make note of as an example to his disciples? With that little, with the coins worth a little, she was the one that Jesus took note of. Not the rich ones who threw in a bunch of money that didn't cost as much as the widow's coins. She had little and not much worthy in the world's eyes, but to Jesus, she had enough. Remember the story in the Bible about the woman over in Luke 8 with the bleeding issue that had spent all she had for years on trying to be healed? I think she spent monetary funds, yes, but also mental and emotional energy seeking this out. She used all she had left, which was not much, as a simple reaching out to touch the hem of a garment with fingertips and a bold and quiet unseen act to a man who she had heard might be able to help. What she thought was a quiet, unseen, incognito act became a moment where Jesus full-stopped what he was doing. Now, a side note here, I always love this story because Jesus asked people, who touched me? Now, y'all, if I, if I were the disciples, like the disciples, I probably, like them, would have said, uh, hey, Jesus, lots of people here. There's a crowd here. Makes me chuckle every time. Okay, anyway, back to the story. She had little left and was not noticed by anyone other than Jesus. Now, do you resonate with those stories? I mean, before 2020, many of us had a whole lot more to give. We had more mental energy, physical energy, emotional space. We were planners and things in their places. Thank you very much. As Americans, we're used to controlling and planning is not bad. Don't get me wrong. There's wisdom in planning and stewardship of our resources, time, energy, and so forth. But with everything that's gone on, it's been a long season of stripping away things we thought we could control and replacing it with manna that has to be collected daily, not hoarded for weeks at a time. Daily recognition of the miracle like the dew that sustains, provides, nourishes, that should be enough. I'm not making light of the incredibly hard times many have gone through and are going through. This is not me saying surface-level false hopes of just pray about it or have faith or Jesus works all things for his good and other dumb, trite things we wrongly say to people who are hurting. What I am hoping to give is some hope that your enough today is enough. That's where Romans chapter 8 comes in for us. The Spirit intercedes for us when we don't know what to pray, when we have groans that words can't capture. His strength comes in when we are weak. So if you are at the end of your rope and feel like you don't have as much anymore to give today, remember this. Jesus notices the two coins you have left and the brief reaching out to the hem of his garment in the middle of a large crowd. Even if those coins feel like they are the last you have to give and that arm is outstretched, tired and weary, it's enough. It touched the hem and was enough. You are noticed. Jesus stops for you. He's there. He notices. He sees. Be encouraged today, my friends. This won't be forever. But for today, his manna, his presence, his strength is enough for whatever you can bring, even if you feel like it's not much. It's enough because he is enough. I hope today you can find some rest in the weariness of these times. 
I told you earlier that my wife Beth and I got a chance to visit with my grandson Braxton, uh, who is at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital in Memphis. The reason we flew into Memphis, it was a bonus to be able to get to spend the day with him. But sadly, earlier last week, we had received a phone call that my wife's mother, my mother-in-law, Susie, had passed away. We flew into Memphis to be here for that memorial service, which was last Friday. On Thursday, we got to spend the day at the zoo with Braxton. And then with family and friends on Friday, late Friday afternoon, her memorial service. And I wanted to dedicate this episode to the memory of my mother-in-law, Susie. And I have posted this on Facebook, on my personal Facebook page for her. When most people think of the words mother-in-law, there are quite a few thoughts that come to mind, and not all of them are flattering. Images of a mother-in-law constantly meddling in a marriage or making trouble may come to mind, or maybe the thought of a bitter old woman moving in and constantly bickering with you about your children. My mother-in-law was none of those things, though. Susie was a sweet and gentle woman. I could not have asked for a better mother-in-law. She welcomed me into both her home and family with open arms 25 years ago when I married her daughter. My mother-in-law loved to sew. She loved to garden. She loved to do many other things. She will forever be remembered for the things that she loved to do, as well as for the love that she spread to others through her kind gestures. While she may no longer be with us physically, her gentle spirit will remain in our hearts forever. And as her son-in-law, I hope she knew how much I loved her and how much her love meant to me. And as I said, this episode dedicated to the memory of my mother-in-law, Susie Parker. Vaya con Dios, Susie. Thank you so much for the gift and privilege of your time today. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there and you could spend your time listening to a lot of different podcasts and you chose right now to spend this time listening to Soul Ramblings podcast. I do not take that for granted and I thank you so much for doing so. I would ask you to click subscribe wherever you're listening so you can always be notified of new episodes of Soul Ramblings Podcast, whether you listen on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, wherever you listen. You can also catch us on YouTube. You can We have a YouTube channel you can subscribe to as well. And before we head out, here is a last piece of advice. If you believe in goodness and if you value the approval of God, fix your minds on whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and praiseworthy. I'm Jerry Wickard. Until next time on Soul Ramblings Podcast, drink responsibly, keep the conversation going. Grace, peace, cheers. Thanks for listening to Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Download new episodes every week. And if you haven't already, subscribe and be sure to leave us a rating and review. Soul Ramblings is a Tiki Hut Media production.